0: This morning, we're going to study the account of Samson in the Old Testament, but I actually want us to begin our study in the New Testament, picking up in Hebrews chapter 11. In verse 32, it says, For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, and Barak, and Samson, and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel, the prophets, who through faith of new kingdoms worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. Quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, and out of weakness were made strong. Now, most of you in here are familiar with Hebrews chapter eleven. Hebrews chapter eleven is oftentimes referred to as the Hall of Faith, and the reason why it's referred to as the Hall of Faith is because there are many men and women who were identified in that chapter who, through God's divine intervention in their life, performed many great miracles, many great works of faith particularly that in the Old Testament. People like Abraham, people like Noah, people like Moses, people like Rahab, people like Sarah, are all identified in that chapter. And when I was looking at this, uh, uh, these verses, I noticed the name Samson. And to be honest with you, I was quite surprised to find the name Samson among those people who God considered to be faithful people. And the reason why is because if you know anything about the life of Samson, you know that Samson made mistakes in his life. Samson had a lot of issues going on in his life. That ultimately, as a consequence of those issues, led to him being blinded, with his eyes gouged out, in the captivity of his enemies, the Philistines, and ultimately dying under the collapse of a pagan temple, the Temple of David. And so how could a man who had all the issues that Samson had in his life, here in the New Testament, the Hebrew writer tells us that he was faithful. And so this morning I want us to look at the life of Samson, and I want us to understand why he's considered among the faithful in the New Testament. And I want us to look at the life that he lived and see if we can learn some practical lessons that were evidenced by that life. Outside of the fact that he truly was a God-ordained superhero sent by God to administer vengeance on the enemies of Israel, particularly that of the Philistines. And really, Samson's account begins in the book of Judges, and it goes through chapter 16, but we'll start in Judges chapter 13, verse, verse 1. And again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. And so here we go again, as was often the case with Israel, they would rebel against God They would disregard the commandments of God, and as a consequence of that, God would allow foreign enemies to come into their land and to take them over and to oppress them and to enslave them. And then God would send a prophet to those people, and he would tell them to repent, and they would repent, and God would come to their rescue, and then we would enter into this whole cycle again because they would get lackadaisical, and then it was just a, a constant pattern among these people. And so this is the situation that we find Israel in when we come into the 13th chapter here of Judges. They're being oppressed by these people named the Philistines. And in verse 2 of chapter 13, it says, Now there was a certain man from Zorah of the family of the Danites, of the tribe of Dan, whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed now you are barren and have borne no children but you shall conceive and bear a son. And so here God sends an angel to this Hebrew family. Specifically, he sends an angel to this Hebrew woman who was barren, which means that she was unable to have children. So why would God send an angel to a Hebrew woman who couldn't have children that was being oppressed by these people called the Philistines? Well, if you look in verse 5, the reason God sent that angel to her was it says, for the child shall be a Nazarite from the womb. And he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. And so before Samson was even put in his mother's womb, before he was even knit together in his mother's womb, God knew who Samson was, and God had a purpose for Samson's life on this earth. You see Samson's plan or Samson's purpose on this earth was to literally lay the smack down on these people called the Philistines who were oppressing God's people and I want us to notice here in verse 5 it says that he would begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines he never actually himself delivered Israel out of oppression but he was the beginning or the start if you will of how that was going to happen and so in verses 24 through 25 We see it says, so the woman bore a son and called his name Samson, and the child grew, and the Lord blessed him, and the spirit of the Lord began to move upon him. And that's a phrase that I want us to take notice of because we're going to see that a lot throughout certain instances in Samson's life. And so she does, in fact, have this son. He is, in fact, special by God. God did send him to this woman who was unable to have children, and she named him Samson. And we see the spirit of the Lord began to move upon him. Now, Samson was a Hebrew. He was an Israelite. And because he was an Israelite, he lived under the laws of Moses. And so of the 600-some-odd laws that the Israelites had to follow, he was under those laws, being a part of God's people. But not only was he a Hebrew, and he was under certain dietary restrictions, he was under certain miscellaneous restrictions, but he was also what? If you go back to verse 5, it says he was a Nazarite that he was going to be a Nazarite from the womb. Well, what does that mean? Well, in Numbers chapter 6, we find the account of the Nazarite vow. And if you took a Nazarite vow, you were someone who were dedicating your life to God. You were saying, I'm going to consecrate my life. This is a special vow that I'm going to make between me and God to consecrate myself to be one of God's children. I'm going to be special. And a part of that vow that you took To be a Nazarite was that you wouldn't drink wine, you wouldn't drink anything from the fruit of the vine, that you would not cut your hair, and that you would follow all the other laws that applied as a Hebrew, that you wouldn't touch things that were dead, that you wouldn't touch unclean things, that you had certain dietary restrictions, that you wouldn't eat unclean things. And so this was a part of the life that Samson lived. And so he was not to cut his hair. I'm sure his father and his mother told him over and over again as he was growing up as a young man that you can't eat these certain things. You can't cut your hair because you're special to God. And so these were some of the regulations that he had to live with in his life. The scripture says that no razor shall come upon his head, and that's going to be a big issue in the life of Samson. And so as we segue into chapter 14 from chapter 13, we see Samson is now a young man. And he makes the decision that he's going to go over into the camps of the Philistines and he's going to find a wife, okay? The problem with that was he was an Israelite. Remember, God had specific commands about them marrying people outside of their nation, which brought a lot of problems upon them because they would marry people outside of the nation and bring pagan and idol worship into Israel. But nonetheless, he had made the decision that he wanted to marry this woman. And so he goes into um, the camps of the Philistines, he finds a lady that he likes, and he comes back to his mother and his father, and he says, get her for me. And being the good Hebrew parents that they were, they tried to sit him down and say, Samson, couldn't you find a nice Hebrew girl, someone over here? But it says that Samson said to them, she's right in my eyes. She's what I want. And when you look at the book of Judges, that's really a theme throughout the whole book of Judges. One of the reasons that Israel was under oppression was because over again in that book, you can see it says those people were doing what was right in their own eyes. They weren't following the commandments of God. And so he makes the decision that he wants to marry this woman. And so uh, they travel uh, on to, uh, to, to get this woman. And even though he was making the decision to marry her, typically outside of what God would command them to do, little did he know that God was using this occasion to uh, bring about a work in Israel. In Judges chapter 14 and verse 4, it says, But his father and mother did not know that it was the Lord, that he was seeking an occasion to move against the Philistines. For at that time, the Philistines had dominion over Israel. And so even though he had made the decision personally himself that he was going to go marry outside of the tribes of Israel, he ultimately, God himself was going to use this occasion to help Israel. And so as they're traveling to get this woman from the uh, Philistine camps, we see in verses 5 through 6 that Samson encounters a lion on the journey uh, to go retrieve this woman. And I'm not talking about a lion that was tamed in a zoo that's fed at you know 10 and 4 o'clock. This was a lion that was a trained killing beast that for its own self-preservation, for its own survival, you know, killed in the wild to eat. And the, and the Bible says that in verses 5 through 6 that Samson's on this journey that he encounters this lion. And then it says that the spirit of the Lord came upon him. And when the spirit of the Lord came upon him, he grabbed that lion and he ripped that lion in half and just threw it on the side of the road. To the point that he didn't even tell his mother and father what he had done. And I'm sure that as Samson was growing and as Samson was maturing and as the spirit of the Lord would move upon him from time to time, that he was beginning to realize truly who he was and what purpose that God would have for him that he would be a strong warrior for Israel, that he would be the champion of Israel, that he would stand between these these weak, oppressed Israelites and these war-trained heathens, these Philistines, and he began to acknowledge that his strength, that the Spirit of God would move upon him, the hair would stand up on the back of his neck, the energy would run through his veins and his muscles, and that he would be a strong killer to God's glory. And so we pick up in Judges chapter 14 in verses 7 through 9. Then he went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. After some time, when he had returned to get her, he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. And behold, a swarm of bees and honey were in the carcass of the lion. And he took some of it in his hands, and he went along eating. And when he came to his father and mother, he gave some to them, and they also ate. But he did not tell them that he had taken the honey out of the carcass. What's the issue here? The issue here is that he's a Hebrew and that he's not supposed to be touching unclean things, and specifically eating unclean things. And honey that was inside the carcass of a dead lion was something that was considered to be unclean. And I'm sure that as Samson ate this, that he was probably waiting for the lightning bolt to come down to strike him, for God to to, to set a sanction upon him for his actions, but no lightning bolt came down that day to strike Samson. In fact, he just gave his mom and dad some of that honey to eat, and went along his way being Samson the invincible. And so now Samson's engaged to this, this Philistine and you know uh, being engaged to this woman and, and going into these camps of these Philistines and being the fact that he was an Israelite now he's kind of kind of acclimate to that culture. He's kind of got to join the ranks of the Philistines and so as he goes into that culture they have an engagement party or a wedding party for him and this woman. And while he's at this party, trying to probably be the, you know, the smooth guy he was, he said, I'll make a bet with you gentlemen here. There were 30 men at this party. He said, the bet is this, I'm gonna give you a riddle, and if you can solve this riddle, then I'll give you 30 changes of clothing and 30 linens. But if you can't solve this riddle, you've gotta give me 30 changes of clothing and 30 changes of linen. And being probably the competitive nature that they were in, they made that deal. And so the deal was, or the riddle was this. It says, so he said to them, out of the eater came something to eat, and out of the strong came something sweet. Now for three days they could not explain the riddle. And so this riddle had an expiration. It had a deadline on the seventh day. And so basically on the seventh day, these people were getting nervous because they were unable to solve this riddle. And this riddle was a reference to the lion and the honey that Samson had killed. And so what they did was they went to Samson's wife and they began to pressure her saying, you've brought this person in here who's an outsider and an outcast and he's coming here and he's going to take bank on us and we need you to go over there and find out what the meaning of this riddle is. And so she goes and she presses on Samson and Samson caves and tells her what the riddle means, that it's in relation to the lion that he killed and that there was honey inside of this lion. And so he tells these people. And so the seventh day comes around, and so uh, Samson says, well, you got the riddle? And they said, oh, yeah, we can tell you what the riddle means. It says, so the men of the city said to him on the seventh day before the sun went down, what's sweeter than honey, and what's stronger than a lion? And he said to them, if you had not plowed with my heifer, you would have not solved my riddle. And so what's obviously standing out there is probably wasn't the most respectful thing to refer to his wife as a heifer. But basically... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but basically, he said, if you wouldn't have twisted her arm and coerced her, you wouldn't have even solved this fruit. And Samson didn't take this too lightly. In fact, in Judges chapter 14 and verses 19 through 20, this phrase comes again. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily, and he went down to Ashkelon and killed 30 of their men and took their apparel. And gave the changes of clothing to those who had explained the riddle so his anger was aroused and he went back up to his father's house and samson's wife was given to his companion who had been his best man. now you think that those people had problems because they cheated on a riddle you wait till he finds out that they gave his wife to his best man at his wedding and so samson being infuriated goes out Kills 30 people, Philistine men, takes those clothing and those linen of garbage, takes it back to the people who cheated on the riddle, and then says, you know, I'm out of here, boys, and he goes back to Israel. Some time passes, and then he comes back to get his wife, and when he comes back to get his wife, she's already married to the person who was the best man in his wedding. And so what the story says or what the account of Samson says is that he went and took foxes and he took torches and he tied it to their tails, and they ran through the fields and the orchards of the Philistines, and it burned all their groves and burned all their fields down. And he went back to Israel. Well, when he went back to Israel, what do you think the Philistines did? The Philistines were infuriated. So they went and took his, his wife and her father, and he, they set these people on fire. And then they gathered up their army, and they marched over into Israel, and they want to know who is this person? That's causing all these problems over here in all these Philistine camps. And in Judges chapter 15 and verses 6 through 8, it says, Then they answered, Samson, the son-in-law of the Tamite, because he had taken his wife and given her to his companion. So the Philistines came up and burned her and her father with fire. And Samson said to them, Since you would do a thing like this, I will surely take revenge on you, and after that I will cease. So he attacked them with hip and thigh and with with great slaughter, and he went down and dwelt in the flesh of the rock of Eli. And so they set his wife on fire. They set his wife's father, his father-in-law on fire. And out of rage and out of vengeance, he goes and he kills more Philistines because that's what Samson does. He's a killer. He's a killer of Philistines. And these people had enough. And so they march over into Israel, these weak, oppressed Israelites, and they say, you better hand him over. And they go, oh, we don't want any, we don't want any trouble. Well, you better go find Samson and bring him to us. And so they march, and they find Samson, and he's just kind of hanging out there. And they go, Samson, we don't know what you've done, but you need to, you need to get out of here. We're fixing to get wiped out. And he goes, ah, the Philistines, nah, we're always up to no good. i tell you what, boys, why don't you just go ahead and get some new rope, tie me up with some new rope, promise to me that you won't kill me, and then you can take me over to the Philistines, and then I'll deal with it. They go, okay, we'll, we'll make that deal. So they tie Samson up, and they take him over To the Philistines. And as he's standing on the battlefield of the Philistines, I'm sure he sees the armies of the Philistines lined up, going, Ah, we got him. He's roped up now. He's caught. Look what happens in chapter 15, verses 14 through 15. When he came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting against him. The Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and the ropes that were on his arms became like flax, and it burned with fire, and his bonds were broke loose from his hands. And he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey and reached out his hand and took it and killed a thousand men. So they bind him up. They take him to the battlefield here at Lehi. The armies of the Philistines are beginning to encamp around him. I'm sure they're lined up. They see him restrained, but then there's that, there's that phrase again. The spirit of the Lord comes upon him. I'm sure the hair on the back of his neck began to stand up. The power in his veins began to pop, and all of a sudden he takes those ropes and they're just like nothing. Boop. He looks around as this army's approaching, finds, a, finds a, a donkey over there, kicks it, picks it up. There's a jawbone. It's got good weight to it. And I'm sure that as they came approaching, that the men were pressing, probably began to slow down in the front. Whoa, what's going on here? But as they got closer to him, he was snapping necks and cashing checks with that thing. He took out thousands, a thousand Philistines, a warrior, a champion of Israel, someone who Israel admired and looked up to, who was strong for the purpose of God to be a warrior for them, to protect them, to kill the Philistines, to the the point that after this, the the scripture says that he went on to be a judge in Israel for 20 years. That sounds like a pretty good uh, man to me strongest man that ever lived on the face of the earth that could kill a thousand men with a bone of a donkey who could snap ropes in half but you know that's not where the account of Samson ends if you continue to read the account of Samson Samson had problems you see one night Samson put on his cloak went into the city of you know the area of Gaza you know where Gaza is? It's the modern day where Israel and the Palestinians fight constantly. That strip of land, the Palestinians, derives from the Philistines. It's from those same people that are still fighting today. He goes to this area. You know what? He's got a pocket full of cash. He's got some money to spend. He's a hot buyer. And while, he's in this, while he's in this area of Gaza, he sees a young lady who he likes. And guess what? She's for sale samson makes that purchase and it says that they knew that he was there in gaza they knew it we got him now he's trapped we're gonna we're gonna close the gates in on he's not gonna be able to get out caught with prostitute we got him scripture says that at midnight he decided to leave so he leaves and he puts his cloak on and he's walking through the city he begins to hear the whispers of the people oh we got him he's caught now and he comes to the gate of the city and they're beginning to encircle around him. You know what he does? Uh, God's in. God's going to abandon him now. Nope. He took the gate of the city and pried it off the hinges. I'm not talking about some weak gate. I'm talking about a massive gate that kept out foreign armies. Picks it up and carries it up a hill and drops it off like it's nothing. Wow. A lot of feet. God spared him. But you know, the, the account of Samson doesn't stop there. The Bible says that he met this lady named Delilah, who he fell in love with. Delilah. And the Bible says that Delilah was being pressured by the Philistines hey, tell us how Samson gets his strength. Tell us. We'll pay you 1,100 pieces of silver if you can tell us how he gets his strength. So she goes to him and says, Samson, you love me, don't you? How do you get your strength? Oh, I, don't, I can't really tell you. It's kind of a secret. You know, I'm kind of a Nazarite. I got this. Well, if, if you just put some yarn around me, tie me up in, in some fresh yarn, then, you know, that's how you would take away my strength and how I would be a normal person. So what does she do? She ties him up in strength. And then in the middle of the night, she jumps up and says, the Philistines are here. The Philistines are here, Samson. He wakes up, drops them. They go running. The next night she sits around and says samson you lied to me don't you love me don't we have some communication problems here can't you help me just tell me how you tell me how you're so strong well see if you if you bind me up in in new rope new rope if you tie me up in new rope then i'll be just like any ordinary person and i'll be weak so what does she do She finds him up in New rope in the middle of the night. And then she jumps up and screams, the Philistines are here. The Philistines are here. He jumps up, being Samson, ropes are gone. They take off. A third time, she comes to him, Samson, I'm serious. I'm beginning to think you don't love me at all. Don't you love me? Why wouldn't you tell me how strong you really are? What is the secret about being so strong? Well, you see, if you just braided my hair, if you just put it in locks and and put a braid and put a pin in it, then I would be just like any ordinary person. Guess what? He wakes up in the middle of the night with some sweet braided hair. And she's screaming, the Philistines are here. The Philistines are here. The Bible says he pulls the pin out, takes care of business. Finally, she's had it. Samson, I'm serious. You better tell me right now what makes you so strong. Samson's in his mind thinking, give me 15,000 Philistines over this woman. she was persistent. and So finally, he says, I'll tell you, he says, I'm a Nazarite by birth, and because I'm a Nazarite, you can't cut my hair. So that night, he fell asleep in her lap. She called the boys in there, and they went and took a razor and cut his hair off. And then she jumps up. The Philistines are here. The Philistines are here to take you. But you know what? He was bound with rope that time, and he couldn't get out of her. He was trapped. Because the scripture says that the Spirit of the Lord departed from him. gone. You know what they did with him? They led him into the camps of the Philistines. And they laughed and they jeered and they made him a jester of the camps of the Philistines. And then when they got him, they took him and they gouged his eyes out. And then they put him in a mill where I'm sure he was like an oxen tethered to a rope, walking around, grinding meal day after day, not knowing if it's night or day because he doesn't have any eyeballs. While those people mock the living God and worship Dagon. Oh, we've got Samson, Israel's champion. He's weak now. Look at him, pathetic. We'll celebrate. What a loser. Weak. Defeated. What a tragedy a tragedy God created him with a purpose God had something special for the life of Samson and that was to be a strong killing machine for Israel that's what God ordained before his birth that he would be but because of the issues in his life he can now no longer fulfill that purpose God's spirit departed from And I pray that that's a condition that I never find myself in. I hope I'm never in that position. It could happen. It could very well happen. That because of issues in your life, you get to a point in life where you're no longer good. You no longer have a purpose. You can no longer fulfill the purpose that God has preordained in your life. But you know, God has given each and every one of us a purpose before our birth. God has never called me. Individually, to pick up the jawbone of an Angus cow and to go somewhere over into the Middle East in Ramadi and to smite a thousand terrorists who are oppressing his church over there. That's not what he's called me to do. And I, I would suspect that's not what he's called you to do. In this day, in this age, in this time that we live in, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11 through 12, it says, In him also we've obtained an inheritance by being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that he who first trusted in Christ should be the praise of his glory. That is the purpose that you and I were created for. You and I were created in the image of God in this day, in this dispensation, in this time to bring glory to God through our lives. You know what? You may have never led a nation out of captivity. You may have never slayed a thousand enemies of God on the battlefield. let me tell you something when you choose to forgive somebody and you tear those barriers down in your heart you have hate and resentment you're just as powerful as Samson when he tore down those pillars and those columns in the temple of David you're just as powerful when you choose to serve other Christians when you choose to spend your time your money and your effort to bring diapers and food to another person in the church to Feel that obligation and that task that Christ has asked you to do, that's just as powerful as Moses parting the Red Sea through God's power. This day, this age, in this time, my purpose on this earth is to be a husband. My purpose on this earth is to be a father. My purpose on this earth is to be a representative for Jesus Christ because I'm called purpose, before my birth, God knew who I was, and that's who he wanted me to be. You know, I saw uh, a colleague of mine earlier this week, and he said, Kyle, I didn't know that you now have three kids. He goes, man, dude, I've got four now, but you didn't know that. He goes, we're we're dropping in zone coverage now. We're out, man. I said, you know, you're right. You know, That's what I want to be. That's what the purpose that God's called me to be, is to to be a good father to my husband. That's what he's called you to be, who were fathers. And so sometimes the issues in our life can hinder us from the purpose that God has called us to be. Another point that I think that we can take away from the account of Samson is that sometimes consequences can be attenuated. And what I mean by attenuated I mean that over a period of time. Samson as a Hebrew is not supposed to be touching any things that are unclean. He did that. God didn't strike him down. Samson as a Nazarite wasn't supposed to be doing the things that he was doing, being around the parties that he was around, with all the drinking, with all the uh, evil that was going on there. And God didn't strike him down. God let him get to a point in life where his hair was cut. And he was weak. And he was vulnerable. And there's a lesson in that for each and every one of us that we can be in a position in life where we are weak and we are vulnerable and we understand that we have a full dependency upon God. Do you know what's interesting to me about Samson is Samson was a strong man. But there were seasons in his life where he wasn't a great man. But Samson, at the end of his life, that we haven't talked about yet, at the end of his life, they took him into the temple of Dagon and they led him there, blinded. And they summoned him there to be a jester to perform for all those people there in the Philistines. And while he went into the temple, he was being led in there, by it says, by a young man. And when he got in there, he asked the young man, I'm tired. Can you just kind of brace me up against the pillar? And it says as he was braced up against that pillar, he bowed his head to God and he prayed, God, can you use me one more time? Can you give me the strength one more time to take out these heathens? Even if it means taking this whole building down with me. You? you know what? God heard that correctly. God heard that And the Spirit of the Lord returned to his body. The Bible says that as he was in that temple, braced between those two columns, he began to press on them and press on them until they ultimately collapsed. He said, let me die with the Philistines. It wasn't an act of suicide. It was an act of war. He was a war trained. He was a person trained in war for God and died as, as a warrior for God's cause i find it interesting that the book of hebrews as we stated earlier says that he was a man of faith a man of faith why well if you go back to hebrews chapter 11 and you look in verse 33 it says why these people were faithful because they were made strong out of their weakness you see he was brought to a weak point in his life he was brought to a point in his life where he felt like he no longer had a purpose But because he realized the situation and the state that he was in life and because he had a sincere heart and because he asked God to restore that God was faithful to him and allowed him to do that to press those columns down and to take out those people and so as a result of that God found him faithful there's a redemptive story in his life as well the the account of Samson is one I hope that you found interesting, I hope that we've learned a lot of good practical lessons within the the account of his life in Judges chapter 13 through 16. Uh, At this time, we're going to offer a song of invitation. If there's someone who wants to bring a matter before the congregation or someone who uh, wishes to have prayers on their behalf, we ask that you come forward as we stand and sing.